It's a fun Friday episode of Locked On Boston Bruins today where I answer some questions about my favorite moments in Bruins history, heartbreaking moments, best trades, worst trades, and the ongoing search for a new coach and a top-line center. Let's get into it, shall we? Your Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Bruins part of your day. The podcast, as a reminder, is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. So please do search up Locked On Bruins in your podcast app and your YouTube feed, and you can subscribe to both the audio and video portions of the podcast. If you're on social media, you can find the podcast at Locked NHL Bruins on both Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me, my dad jokes, and hockey tweets at Ian C. McLaren. Uh, My condolences off the top to Celtics fans this morning. A tough loss last night to the Golden State Warriors. I was really hoping that uh, the Celtics could pull it off, force a Game 7. Never fun to watch a team celebrate at TD Garden, as we Bruins know from a few years ago and um, yeah hopefully they can uh, put it together next year for another strong run catch locked on Celtics for all the latest on the basketball team now the other day I put out a call for some mailbag questions and got a bunch of fun ones Uh, a couple that I'm going to answer off the top from Tim at impossible pie one first question was, in your opinion, what are the best and worst trades the Bruins have ever done? Now, I try to keep this one within recent history, within my lifetime at least. I know there's a lot of trades back in the day that were impactful on teams in the 70s, 60s, 50s, before my time. So we're going to keep it within my lifetime. The best trade for me as a kid was Cam Neely and a first-round pick acquired from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for Barry Peterson. Uh, Peterson was a yeah pretty talented uh, player in his own right. Uh, shocking that Vancouver traded Cam Neely. He is from out there. But we all know that he went on to have an amazing career for the Boston Bruins. When Peterson was traded, he was a pretty valuable commodity. He was only 25. He was considered one of the best young centers in the game, had 200-point seasons, and was only a couple years removed from finishing third in the NHL in assists and sixth in points. Uh, Canucks were the third lowest-scoring team in the league, and they were looking for someone to... Uh, boost the offense. Boston management was convinced that despite his age, 
His best years were behind him as a result of two surgeries to remove a tumor from his shoulder. Um, the way the deal went down was the Canucks signed Peterson as a restricted free agent. Cam Neely was left unprotected by Vancouver and went to the Bruins along with the first-round pick as compensation for Peterson. Restricted free agency worked a bit differently back then. Uh, Boston coveted his size, toughness, considered him to be a potentially great Bruin, and that is exactly what he became. He scored 36 goals in his first year with the Bruins, 42 the next year, uh, became one of the most feared power forwards in the game, registering three 50-goal seasons, Hockey Hall of Famer. Uh, Peterson had a couple of solid seasons in Vancouver, but um, not the player that he was with the Bruins. Cam Neely was my favorite player as a kid. Uh, I have his jersey upstairs. And uh, that trade really shaped my early Bruins fandom. Another one of the best trades that I can think of was Boston sending Andrew Raycroft to the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Tuka Rask. Raycroft had won a Calder Trophy with the Bruins. Looked like he had a promising career building. The Toronto Maple Leafs had a couple highly touted prospects in Tugarask and Justin Pogge. They elected to keep the Canadian and deal Rask to the Bruins. We all know what happened next. Tugarask became one of the best goalies in Bruins history. Uh, Put together an unbelievable career. Led the Bruins to two Stanley Cup Finals, won a Vesna. Uh, Raycroft didn't quite catch on with the Maple Leafs, so that trade really helped shape the past decade for the Bruins. Now, when it comes to worst trades, there's a couple that jump to mind right away. The first being the Bruins sending Tyler Sagan, Rich Peverly, and Ryan Button to the Dallas Stars for Louis Erickson, Riley Smith, Joe Morrow, and Matt Fraser. Now, I don't want to get into the behind-the-scenes speculation as to why Tyler Sagan was traded. As a strictly hockey decision, incredibly foolish for the Bruins to trade Tyler Sagan. I know they had Patrice Bergeron. I know they had David Krejci down the middle, but... Um, they lucked into Sagan with the second overall pick as a result of the Phil Kessel to Toronto trade. And you had the opportunity to have the best center core in the NHL with those three guys. Trading him so early in his career and getting a really lackluster Package in return. Yes, Louis Erickson was considered a very underrated player, uh, but he was not in the prime of his career. 
Uh, Riley Smith was a good young winger who didn't really fit in. Joe Morrow, Matt Fraser never really found their spots. Tyler Sagan went on to become a star center for the Stars and um, yeah, really became everything that we all hoped he would in Boston. Um, he's had some injury issues that have slowed him down recently, but still, that trade never made sense to me. Um, the rationale was he's just another 30-goal scorer. Well, you need those guys on your roster in order to win. So that trade, certainly uh, one of the worst in recent memory for the Bruins. I'm going to talk about the absolute worst here in a moment, but first, a quick word about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting, stats, and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including the ongoing Stanley Cup Final, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action at BetOnline, where the game starts. I have an important favor to ask you now. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about Locked On listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. It's an opportunity to tell us what you like, what could be improved about Locked On podcasts. You can go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. Take our audience survey. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you so much for your help. Now, I was watching Bruce Cassidy be introduced by the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday. And it got me pretty annoyed at the Bruins for letting him go. Just baffling decision by Don Sweeney and Cam Neely. But it reminded me that I was probably never more upset as a Bruins fan than I was in 2005 when they traded Joe Thornton. Just a couple days after my birthday, in fact. Joe Thornton was my favorite Bruin at the time. I had been following his career since before he was drafted by the Boston Bruins, first overall in 1997. And I just loved everything about his game. He was a franchise center for the Bruins. Now, I'll talk about this more in a moment when my disappointing memories, but Joe Thornton, coming out of the 2004-2005 uh, lockout, found himself under a bit of scrutiny. He had failed to uh, help the Bruins win a playoff series prior to the lockout. But he had just agreed to a three-year, 
$20 million contract that would have kept him with the Bruins through 2007-2008 at the very least. A few months later, he was traded. He actually signed on August 11th, 2005. Um, I was on my way to a Blue Jays game to celebrate uh, my upcoming nuptials with some boys. And um, was just so excited that he had re-upped and would be with the Bruins for a few more years at the very least. Cut to a few months later, and he's traded to the Sharks for a pretty underwhelming package. Marco Sturm, Brad Stewart, and Wayne Primo. Marco Sturm, Brad Stewart were decent depth Bruins, but we all know Joe Thornton went on to win the Hart Trophy that season as a member of the Sharks, just exploding and making Jonathan Chichu look like David Pasternak. Now, a lot of people argue, and rightfully so, that looking back at that trade, it kind of changed the Bruins' trajectory for the good. Uh, it allowed them to develop Bergeron Krejci. It allowed them to go out a couple years later and sign Zdeno Chara, Mark Savard in free agency and just kind of reshaped the core of the team and the leadership structure of the team. But that was not a master plan on the part of Michael Connell. Michael Connell, who was general manager at the time, bungled this deal to the point where he didn't even put it out there that Joe Thornton was available. If he had said, we're looking to trade this guy, open it up and get the best available offer, that's one thing. But to trade Thornton to the Sharks out of the blue for an underwhelming package and then to watch Thornton go on and win the Hart Trophy, Art Ross Trophy, that same season is just devastating as a Bruins fan at the time. Um, you know, O'Connell did try to help the team get over the hump in 2004, acquiring Michael Nylander, Sergei Gonchar, prior to the trade deadline. Uh, he was general manager when they drafted Bergeron and Krejci. He went on to win a couple cups with the Los Angeles Kings. But this trade, in and of its own, in and of its own, as I was corrected on Twitter last night, I forgot the D. Never forget the D. Uh, just outrageous and... It gutted me as a Bruins fan at the time. Uh, I know what happened in years afterwards, but again, it was not part of a master plan to rebuild the Bruins, retool the Bruins. It was 
just completely out of the blue, without purpose at the time, and I, I still don't get it at all. I don't get the rationale for trading him at the time, and I wish he had been a Bruin for life. Now, Tim also asked, what is your favorite memory of being a Bruins fan? Not counting them winning the cup in 2011. Two things come to mind. If we're not counting the exact cup win, I was actually more, I think, emotional about Boston beating Tampa Bay in Game 7 in 2011. Um, Just to get to the Stanley Cup Final, I don't know what clicked in me, but I was in tears when they beat Tampa Krejci to Nathan Horton. Uh, for the lone goal in Game 7. And just to get to the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, Not that I would have been satisfied with that. Of course, I was ecstatic when they won. But I was super emotional when they beat Tampa in Game 7. I was also... um, I mean, there's so many moments that I can pick. But one that jumps to the top of my mind is Mark Savard scoring an overtime winner against the Philadelphia Flyers in the playoffs, coming back after some serious concussion issues. Looking back, maybe it was better for him not to play, but that goal, his reaction, uh, I'll never forget that. And I just get chills thinking about it, even still. Disappointing moments. I'll go back to the Joe Thornton era for this one. 2004, like I mentioned, they had loaded up prior to the trade deadline, adding... Michael Nylander, William Nylander's father, Sergei Gonchar. Uh, they had Mike Knubel. They just had really gone for it. They were the second seed, Northeast Division champions, taking on the seventh seed, Montreal Canadiens. They had a 3-1 series lead, and they lost in seven games. Shut out in Game 7 by Jose Theodore. Joe Thornton, one of the reasons he fell out of favor in Boston was the fact that he scored zero points in that series. But we learned later that he was playing with like broken ribs, torn cartilage, shouldn't have even been playing. The fact that he was out there uh, was a miracle, and he gave it his all for the Bruins. But that series loss was incredibly disappointing, as was, of course, the reverse sweep in 2010. Bruins up 3-0 in the series against the Flyers. Uh, David Krejci injured in Game 4. That was a huge turning point. Still, the Bruins were up in Game 7, up big. Blew that one again. That was a huge uh, disappointment. Of course, it went on to help them, um, motivate them the next year, sweeping Philadelphia. But um, yeah, those were two disappointing moments for sure. Thanks for those questions, Tim. We'll answer a couple more here in a moment. But first, I want to remind you that uh, you can check out the Locked On NHL podcast. They have... The playoffs covered like nobody else. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. Make it your second listen after 
the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, all free and available wherever you get podcasts. A couple more questions here. First comes in from local pal, Bernice Hopkins. She asks, how do you think the coaching hunt will go with it being public knowledge that some of the key players just had surgery and the season might start rough? Great question. And I'm seeing just now as I record that the Philadelphia Flyers making it official, they've hired John Tortorella to be their head coach. So that's one candidate off the board. Not that I thought he was coming to Boston. Obviously, those injuries, Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grizzlick, Mike Riley, some uncertainty over Patrice Bergeron, definitely clouds the picture early on. And if they get off to an incredibly rough start, it might be difficult to climb up into a playoff spot. Whoever's coming in might expect or... It might be made known by everyone that this is the reality. Perhaps expectations will be tempered a bit in the opening season for this head coach, but with the knowledge that they're incorporating some younger guys into the lineup and looking to 2023-24 to really rebound and be a top-flight team once again. I don't think it will discourage a coach coming in. They'll know that there's a bit of leeway there when it comes to performance. Um, and it would be exciting to know that those guys will be there at some point. The opportunity to coach a guy like Charlie McAvoy, to have McAvoy-Lindholm as a top duo, to know you're getting Brad Marchand back at some point, to coach David Pasternak. You know, there's still a lot there for a coach coming in to work with. Having said that, I do think they will go with, uh, well, I said yesterday, uh, Elliot Freeman, Sportsnet, saying they're trending younger, fresher. Uh, Spencer Carberry from the Maple Leafs, I think, would be a great candidate. Mark Savard, I've talked about. Um, you know, they'll have a bit longer rope, certainly, coming in as first-year head coaches. Question from Instagram. Uh Prabjot Baines asks, who do you think we should target at center to fill the gap we have in the second line and possibly first since we have lots of injuries? And Bergeron possibly not coming back as well. You know, there are some free agents that could be tantalizing for the Bruins, but they're going to have to make some cap space in order to entertain any of these guys. Genny Malkin, Claude Giroux, probably a bit too expensive. Same with Nazem Kadri, maybe even Ryan Strom. Uh, you could try to sign a Prius in Vincent Trocek to play with a Lambo in Brad Marchand. That would be an interesting pairing. When it comes to trades, probably the biggest name is Mark Scheifele in Winnipeg. Seems as though... He's on the same page with Jets management, but there was some sort of um, disgruntlement at the end of the season. And if he's made available, I think he would be 
a perfect second line center with Taylor Hall and David Pasternak. That would probably be the de facto first line. Uh, and then you try to bring in perhaps someone a bit more responsible to play with Marchand and whoever they have penciled in on the right side on that line. Hopefully Bergeron comes back. But again, they have less than $3 million of cap space at the moment, even without Bergeron signed. So they're going to have to get creative and try to jettison some salary at some point. But those are some names that jump off the top. But they might have to get creative with some lesser free agents, of which they already have a few signed in Eric Howla, Thomas Nosek, Charlie Coyle. Those are all third, fourth line centers. Um, if they could trade one of those guys, make some space, that might benefit them um, a bit more. Final question comes from Nicholas Defoe. Do you think Brett Harrison will get a chance with the club next year or even in Providence? Brett Harrison had a great season for the Oshawa Generals. He uh, recorded 27 goals, 34 assists for 61 points in 65 games. He was drafted in the third round, 85th overall. Uh, still only 19 years old, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in Oshawa for one more year. He does, yeah, he just turned 19 actually, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's in Oshawa for another season. Um, and then probably a year or two in Providence, so I think it'll be a couple years at least until we see. Brett Harrison in Boston, uh, but he could end up being a pretty decent, uh, probably third line center for for the Boston Bruins. I don't know if he has, you know, even top six potential. Uh, let me just check the Dauber prospects. That's always my. Uh, they think he has a perhaps some second line potential. Harrison finds a way onto the score sheet consistently, even when he's not having his best night. His ability to adapt to his teammates is valuable, and he provides solid two-way play while possessing a good shot. So yeah, definitely tracking to uh, be a pro, but uh, not expecting him to be in Boston within the next season or even two. Thank you so much for those questions. Hopefully I didn't ramble on too much. Have a lot of Joe Thornton thoughts. And uh, still bothers me that he was not a Bruin for life. Again, it's easy to look back and see how pieces came together after the trade. But again, it was not part of a grand plan by Mike O'Connell. It was hasty. It was uh, ill-conceived. It was not executed well and uh, certainly a reason why he hasn't been a general manager again in the NHL. That's it for this week's episodes, my friends. I hope you all had a great week. Again, John Tortorella, new head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. That should be pretty entertaining. Shea Weber traded yesterday to the Vegas Golden Knights for 
Evgeny Dadnov. So we're starting to see some player movement. That was more clearing some space for the Vegas Golden Knights. Shea Weber not expected to play again, and he will be put on LTIR. And Dadnov, who had previously nixed a trade to Anaheim, uh, now finds a home in Montreal, or perhaps will be flipped again by the Canadians. Canadians, Jeff Gordon, General Manager Hughes, making some good moves. And uh, those are two guys that I would have liked to have seen leading the way for the Boston Bruins as Director of Hockey Ops and General Manager. But alas, we have to see them make smart moves for the Montreal Canadiens. So yeah, I hope you all have a great weekend. Not much on tap here. Father's Day on Sunday, so happy Father's Day to all the father figures, dad bods out there. And we'll be back on Monday to bring you all the latest on the black and gold and kick off a series looking back at Don Sweeney's draft history as general manager of the Boston Bruins. Happy Friday, friends, and we'll talk to you again on Monday here on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to YouTube because if anything breaks over the weekend, I'll post a quick video over there as well.